take your Bibles now and open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. And the title of today's message is, listen, Preach Victory and Live Righteously. Okay, I'm going to say that again because you all are taking notes. I see you're getting your notes out. I mean, you guys are smoking pens going here. Preach victory and live righteously. The idea of the Christians that are living on earth right now is to preach the victory through our lives, through our actions, through our words, in Jesus' name, that what Christ has done is enough and that we can look to him in all things, to preach victory. This is what Jesus did. This is what Noah did. This is the proof text that Peter gives us. And then to live righteously. You see, here's the temptation and here's the challenge. I just want to get you guys' attention up front at the beginning here. When things get difficult, when things are hard, we'll use the S word, when things are suffering, when you find yourself going through troubles, the temptation is, is to cast off restraint and to do stupid stuff. You ever found yourself tested, depressed, cast down, and then you start doing stupid stuff in your times of weaknesses where tribulation or should I say temptation calls and you answer the phone only because you are going through a time of suffering. I want you guys to understand something. Suffering is not an option. As a matter of fact, it's a promise. Okay, you're not going to hear that on mainstream, name it and claim it, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preaching. You're not going to hear it on TBN, that you can't avoid suffering. Instead, you're promised it. It's going to come your way. Suffering is either going to turn you into a servant or a sinner. Your choice. You can't do both. I'm going to say that again. Suffering, challenges, difficulty, opposition will turn you into a servant of others or a sinner serving yourself. You can't do both. It'll either make you in your hard times, your bad times, your upside down times. It'll either make you helpful for others. You'll become like Mother Teresa. You guys ever heard of Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa grew up in a broken home. That is, she loved her dad, had a great relationship with her dad. And then at age eight, her dad died. She was devastated. Her mom took her to church told her where her dad was, helped her walk in faith. And instead of becoming a sinner, what did she become? A saint, a servant. I was looking for a servant, but I guess she's a saint too. Not everybody responds the same to difficulty. I'm such a baby at times. When I get tested, when I get upside down, when I suffer, man, I tend to become ornery. How about you? Anybody else out there? Man, pray for me and Shannon up front here. We get ornery. That's why she's sitting in the front row, so I keep an eye on her. (laughs) You're either going to become helpful or you're going to become harmful. And again, I wish I've done this for for years now, 10 years now. I wish I had a magic stick I could just give each one of you guys. Here's a magic stick that's going to protect you from all suffering. Just pull the stick out, you know. But if suffering came your way and you had a magic stick, you just start beating people with it. But instead, there is no magic protection. Instead, there's direction. There's instruction. What do we do when we go through stuff? Because suffering comes in a million different flavors. I'm just going to give you a few. I'll give you nine ways that suffering is going to come to you if it, not, if it hasn't already. Write these down. There's Adamic suffering. That is where all Adam's kids living in Adam's world. The world is guaranteed suffering because of Adam, our first dad. Have you noticed this? The world's just broken. It doesn't work right. As a matter of fact, there are still people today that hold to the idea of evolution, that things are actually getting better. And if you still believe in evolution, man, you're cute. Just think about it. It's getting better. It's getting, really? What? The only thing getting better right now is the speed of internet. That's it. Everything else is going down the tubes and getting worse and worse and is being exposed. Suffering because of Adam. Second way that we suffer is demonic suffering. 
There's just suffering because demons are real. Spiritual warfare is real. The oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job, and it starts out with demons launching a war on Job for no good reason. He never sinned, had no problems, at least not sin that brought upon the suffering. But you might be suffering right now. It could just be because of the Adamic sins that we're dealing with. It could be demonic. There could be familial suffering. That is because your family is suffering. My pastor said at one time, he said, you're only as well as your sickest kid. Maybe you have a family member that's hurting and suffering, and so there's just suffering that you're going through. It could be empathetic suffering. Empathetic suffering happens in the ministry a lot where you empathize with people in their pain and suffering because somebody else is hurting that you know you just go to bed heavy and you're, you're just weighted down because suffering's happening out there. There's also disciplinary suffering. You do something dumb and you need discipline. Has this ever happened to you? This is the 9 a.m. service, so not everyone's going to apply. This. The 11 p.m.? Yeah, for sure, 11 a.m., those guys. Man, we get disciplinary suffering. There's also just mysterious suffering. You ever gone through suffering? Everything's falling apart. You just, you don't, there's, no, there's you, who, do, who do I blame? What the heck's going on here? It's just difficult. There's also providential suffering. I like this one. This is suffering that God actually intends. He wills for you to go through in order to accomplish his providential will. Joseph did this. Joseph suffered his entire life. Moses did this. He suffered his entire life in order that God would get them to a position and to a place that God would use them to change the world. You ever thought about that? Why am I going through this? Why did they do that to me? Why did this happen? And the Lord might say, it's providential suffering. Okay, that's not an American word, by the way. In America, we reject suffering of all sorts. We reject suffering. We reject hardship. We reject, as a matter of fact, if there's any imbalance, any abnormalities, anything that we don't like, man, we're going to go ahead and normalize it. And we're going to distribute the, the resources evenly, lest anybody have it harder than anybody else. And yet God says in his word, no, no, I use difficulties. I use troubles. There's also collective suffering. Okay, this is suffering when everybody's going through something. We call this 2020. I mean, you might even be suffering, but you're suffering because everyone else is suffering. And then you go and, you know, there's no toilet papers. Now we're all suffering. It's going to get really bad. And wasn't suffering, but now I am suffering. Now that I know the teepee's gone and collective suffering. There's physical, there's emotional, there's uh, uh, relational and spiritual suffering. And I want you guys to draw your attention out of verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Because Peter here is writing his epistle. There's five chapters and he uses the literal word suffering 11 times. It's almost twice, almost three times per chapter. Okay, he uses that. He uses also harm and difficulty. He uses all kinds of words to describe a difficult life. This is what Peter says. Look at verse 13 and 14. He says, and who is he who will harm you if you, if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their th th uh, threats, nor be troubled. Stop right there. Eyes up here. What Peter is saying that if you're rolling with Jesus and living for God's glory and for others' good, that you still are going to suffer. I'm going to say that again so you hear me. Even if you're living for God's glory and for others' good, you're still going to suffer. And what Peter instructs us is, he says, don't worry, even your suffering can't stop God's purpose in your life. See, Peter and Paul were friends. They were companions. Paul would say it differently. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said it this way. I'll just read it to you. He said in chapter 2, I'm going to read it, chapter 2, verse 3. This is what he said. He said, you therefore must endure hardship or suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
He goes on in verses 9 and 10 to say, For which I suffer troubles an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Listen, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Stop right there and tune in with me what Paul and Peter are both saying. As a Christian, you need to know how to endure suffering. Hardship like a good soldier. Knowing that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not chained, but that God through your suffering and hardship can actually accomplish his will, even though you've lost everything, even though you're in a ditch, even though you got fired, even though your health is failing, even though things haven't gone the way you wanted to, God is not limited to your situation and your circumstances. This is huge because in America, if your situation, your circumstances, if anything else is compromised, if anybody else takes your freedom, if anybody else takes your stuff, oh, we pull the victim card out. I want my participation trophy. I need to be treated like everybody else. This is not fair. Have you ever said that before? This is not fair. I haven't found the everything's going to be fair verse in the entire Bible. It's not there. Matter of fact, Jesus said, no, 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 no. I promise you, you're going to suffer tribulation. But be of good cheer, John 16, 33. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I'm going to be doing in you a work that could not be done apart from suffering, and I'm going to be doing a work, listen, through you in others that could not be done unless you have suffered. And here's where the grace of Jesus Christ comes in. There's good news for you today, because if you have failed in this area, if you have not done perfectly, if you have suffered, sounded the victim card, gone after self-soothing and other things to make yourself numb or dumb from the situation and circumstances you're dealing with, Peter gives us a better way. He says, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter tells us what to do because if you're like me, like how am I going to make sure that I go through a suffering well and don't come out the other side looking like a dum-dum? He says, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to sanctify the Lord in your hearts. What does that mean? It literally means to set apart Jesus Christ as the utmost and the highest for your life and the object and the attention of your affection and everything you're doing because if you are suffering, know that Christ suffered first. Did you know that if you're hurting today, he can redeem your pain? Redeem means to bring, bring value back to something. I don't want to hurt. As a matter of fact, I, one of the reasons I don't really enjoy counseling with people is because most of the time when I'm counseling with somebody, I can't actually fix their problem. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a problem fixer. And if your problem is unfixable with human means, and the Lord comes in and says, how about, how about you just give it to me? How about you let me redeem it? If you're tested right now, if you've experienced loss, the Bible promises that God works all things together for good. So even if you feel alone, even if you have lost, even if you want to give up, Jesus promises you that he knows what's going on. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 4, you guys read it yesterday if you're reading through our 5 by 5 program, the Bible says we have a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses, being tested and tempted and tried in all points yet without sin. You know, the Bible's not lying when it says that. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Jesus knows what it's like to be tested, to go through things that you're going. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to suffer loss of a loved one. 
He knows what it's like to be ridiculed. He knows what it's like to be subjected to criticism and to hatred. And then he offers himself freely for your sins, for their sins, for our sins. How are you going to do this, Christian? There's no way unless you set apart Jesus in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense for the people who ask you the hope that you have in you with meekness and fear. Isn't that awesome? Uh, when I read this, I'm kind of an evangelist. I want to make sure that, peop- that you know why I'm happy, that you know why I wear Jesus' real shirt, that you know why I pass it, that you know. And that's important. It's an evangelist kind of, I want to make sure you know. But the bigger problem is making sure that Luke Frechette knows. You ever find, you know what I'm saying? You ever forget yourself? You ever forget? You got to talk to yourself. You got to reason with yourself in the way that you're navigating through life and how things are going. I want to tell you the message, but if I don't know it myself, set apart Jesus Christ yourself. Verse 16 goes on to say, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We talked about the conscience two weeks ago and how important it is to have a good conscience so that way you can talk to people about Jesus. Have you tried to share your faith and your love and your hope with other people when your conscience is kind of defiled? It just doesn't happen. You're just worried about yourself. And so it's very important to keep your conscience clear. There's two ways to keep your conscience clear, by the way. Number one, don't do dumb stuff. Someone needs to write that down. Like, oh, shoot. It's out the way, you know. I'm, I'm serious, for real. Don't do dumb stuff. And the second way is if you've done dumb stuff, run to Jesus Christ and be forgiven. Okay, have him clean your conscience. Have him restore your soul. Go to him. Confess your sins and be delivered and healed over and over and over again. Matter of fact, this is real talk. If, you're, if your conscience isn't clean right now, okay, you just got it. Your conscience is, is defiled. Remember, we learned that. There's a good conscience, there's a defiled conscience, there's a seared conscience. And then if you don't deal with it, eventually you're going to become bad and there's going to be an evil conscience where you're actually negative. You're going against God. And if that's where you're at, Ryan, can I just say, deal with it? Like, just deal with it. Fight until you win. Fight until you win. What's got you? What's, what's plaguing you? I'm going to be honest, as I was putting this together last night, just thinking through and, and where I'm at in my, my conscience and in my own walk with Jesus, because I can't teach you guys this stuff without learning it myself, and where I am in the Word is where I am in my life. And, and, and I feel like within the last 10 days, there's been some breakthroughs, even with Luke Frechette. And actually, and I wanted to say this publicly, I, I, I attribute it to the people that are praying for me in, in my, my journey, my battle. And so if you pray for me personally, if you take time, I have a lot of dozens, maybe, maybe hundreds, I would pray hundreds of people pray for me and my family every single week that we would just run with, with, with strength. Keep praying, but don't, but just, and I just, I want to encourage you guys, what's going on? Having a good conscience, it says in verse 16. So when they defame you, when you get attacked and revile you, you won't be ashamed. Verse 17, for it is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is crazy. Have you ever suffered for doing evil? Raise your hand if you've ever suffered for doing evil. You play, play dumb games, get dumb prizes. Anybody else out there? Okay. Bunch of, bunch of honest people and uh, about 50% liars. Good luck with that. I'm going to read verse 17 again. For it's better if it is the will of God, he, he adds that, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We've all suffered for doing evil. We've done, done dumb things and you've suffered the consequence. There's a lesson there. There's an opportunity to grow, move forward. I remember I was so dumb back in 1998. I actually got sentenced to 90 days in Jackson. I'm, I'm still dumb now. But in 1998, I was super dumb. And I got sentenced to 90 days in Jackson County Jail for fake IDs and for all kinds of other stuff I was doing. And, and I was in Jackson County Jail and I was kind of just broken and humbled and I was sitting on the floor because it was overcrowded. And I was looking at all these guys in there. And I prayed this specific prayer. I was like, Lord, what am I doing here? 
And the Lord whispered kindly to my heart. He's like, this is where you belong, dum-dum. <laughs> and it was like, I just, oh, I belong. Yeah, you did dumb stuff. Now you've won dumb prizes. And I, it sounds foolish, but I was like, really? oh, this is how bad it is? And I was suffering, because it's suffering in jail. It's not fun in there. It's suffering, but I did dumb stuff. Okay, and it made sense. And I, and I, I ate that humble pie, and I came out the other side humbled and continue to when I get in trouble and when I have to be disciplined, there's suffering. Look at verse 17 again. I want you to see this because this is Peter talking. For it is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. How many of you guys think it's ever the will of God for you to suffer for doing good? I just read it to you. Two, two brave folks. Okay, you know. You're not going to hear this type of preaching on TBN. You're not going to hear this type of preaching for the name it, claim it people. You're not going to hear it when people say that God wants you to have your best life now. Peter says here it's actually okay if you do good and it's God's will that you suffer. <laughs> that is not the message of the snowflake generation. You know that, right? If there is any suffering, any imbalance, any atrocities, any historical sins, anything at all, man, we got to erase that. we got to get rid of it. It can't be difficult. It can't be hard. It can't be bad. And yet God says, you know what? It's going to be. And it's okay if in the suffering you go through, it comes after doing good. And I think this probably applies to some Christians here today that are thinking, you know what? I don't, I'm pretty sure... Listen, I'm pretty sure I wasn't stepping out of bounds. Like me and my, me and my, my family, we're trying to serve the Lord, and, and we're, we're actually, man, we're good people. We're, I, I'm pretty, and I'm not perfect, but I'm, I tried to do good. We're having life groups, and we're, we're stepping out, and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing, I'm praying for my kids, and I'm, I'm trying to be a good wife, I'm trying to be a good husband, and, and then what? What, what is this? I've been on both sides. I've gotten the bad news because I've done bad things. There's no surprise. It was just a matter of time. And then I've also been caught in a foundation of suffering. When all, I'm just trying my, Lord, are you, do you see, Lord? Do you know what I'm going through? Why would God allow, listen, or will us to suffer? Look at verse 18. For Christ also suffered. Jesus was Peter's best friend. Jesus saw Peter fall in his own failure. And Jesus stayed the course and he suffered for Peter. And so when Peter, Pastor Peter, some would call him Pope Peter. I wouldn't. <sighs> when he sees the church there in modern-day Turkey about to suffer, he, he, there's no magic. Ah, guys, I, I fear it's going to end poorly for you. Christ suffered. Christ suffered. Your future has suffering involved. This is one of those sermons as I wrap my mind around it, trying to put it together. It's like, Lord, I don't really want to preach this. What's the, what's the message, Lord? What do, I, what do I have to look forward to after preaching this, Lord? 
a fight, a battle, a skirmish, more loss, more difficulty, more chaos. Is that what I have to look forward to, Lord? Yeah. Oh. Oh. How, how long, Lord? Until I call you home. Until I call you home. Well, Lord, do you even know what I'm going through? Yes. For Christ suffered. Next time you're suffering, which will be a few minutes from now, remember this. Christ suffered. I'm going to say it. Hold on. Hold my hand. Christ suffered because of you. Not even for you, because of you. You think you've suffered? You have. You have. You are. Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And when you suffer, look to your Savior, lest you yourselves become discouraged and weary in your souls. There's no easy out, guys. It's a battle. And Christ has not left us alone. He has left heaven and come headfirst into the cesspool of our world to do three things. It says it right here in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. Why did Christ suffer? Because of your sins and my sins, because of our iniquities, because of our wrongdoings. It says that he suffered for the just, for the unjust. That is that Christ took your sins from you and took them upon himself and he took his righteousness off of himself and he imputed it into your account. We call this double imputation where he imputes his righteousness into your account and he takes your sins and imputes it onto himself. Bearing the wrath of God. He suffered for your sin. He suffered to bring you the justice that was his, that he lent to you. Look at verse 18 in the middle. And that he might bring us to God. The literal Greek phrase here means that Christ has created, listen, listen, has created a special audience with you and the Father. In my version, it says that Christ has brought us to God. It's actually translated that Christ has brought you to God. Did you know that you have a special audience with God because of Jesus Christ? A special audience. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in a family where there was an older sibling and you're the middle kid and you felt like your voice wasn't heard sometimes. And, or maybe you just feel like you're, you're overlooked. And, and Christ says, I died for you, for your sins, that I might give you my righteousness. And most importantly, and because of time, I'm going to end with this thought. Most importantly, so I could bring you to God. And here's my challenge. Whether you're having a great day and a great afternoon plan and everything's fine right now. Okay, just wait till Wednesday. You'll be suffering. <laughs> or you're here this morning and it's just a mess. Jesus suffered too in order that he might bring you to God. Question is this, do you therefore now boldly run to the throne of God to obtain mercy and grace in your time of need? Hebrews chapter four, do you do that? Do you take advantage of your audience with God? 
Please, let that be how and where you take your suffering. Run to him. We have a high priest. Verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 4 that sympathizes with our weakness. Verse 16, therefore, go into his throne room with boldness to obtain mercy in our time of need. Guys, you're going to keep suffering. It's not going to be easy. It will be difficult. I do not, did not want to preach this message this morning. This isn't fun where it's all about suffering. I didn't even get as far as we want. I'm going to get to verse 20. I tried to get to verse 6 of chapter 4, man. And it keeps going. It's all about suffering. Set aside Jesus Christ in your hearts. Did you know that you have a vernacular, a vocabulary, a narrative that the world does not have access to? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the hope of our salvation it is the future and hope of eternity. We suffer, but we do not suffer as those without hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who've died. I used that verse yesterday at a memorial. Paul says, I don't want you to get it twisted, but instead with hope. With hope we live. Right now the world is hoping that the mask mandate gets lifted. Right now we're living in a world that hopes that the stimulus packages keep coming. Amen. Right now we're living in a world that hopes in a lot of stuff. Okay. And yet God has plans for you. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you that we can trust you in all things. And even today, as Marty and Nancy came up on stage and shared their story with us, Lord, we see people living and acting by faith. And so, God, we thank you that you have a, a story for us to live out. And every man here, every woman here has a different story. And Lord, you're doing things in our lives. Lord, some people have been through what I would call historical suffering. They've lost it all and now healed. There are others that are going through current suffering. They're broken. Lord, and I ask in Jesus' name right now, if you're broken, you're just broken, you're in the ditch. Your heart is broken. Lord, would you extend healing and comfort right now to that individual? If that's you, maybe it's a family, would you extend healing, Lord? If that's you, would you nod into that and just say, yeah, Lord, heal me. Lord, if it is God's will that I suffer for doing good, no one can harm me. For Christ also suffered. The Bible says that you are near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. The Bible says in the same psalm that we should taste and see that the Lord is good and to trust you. Psalm 34. Would you bless us, Lord? Thank you for this church. Thank you for Marty and Nancy again as they prepare to move. Bless them and bless us, Lord, as we stay here and bear fruit as we live our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.